On this episode of Resi Week, COVID-19 cancels tech summits and shaping your workplace culture. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 215, People First. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my longtime friends. First, we have Haggai Feiner. He is the CEO of Access Networks. How are you, sir? I am very well. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Then we have Giles Sutton. He is the Senior Vice President of Industry Engagement for Cedia. How are you? I'm awesome, Matt. Good, good to be on the show. All things considered, we're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our subtle lead-in right there, all things considered. All right. I'd like let's... to give you a segue. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I need it. <laughs> Let's kick this, we're going to kick this off with a story from a couple of days ago, uh, and it'll all tie in. The show's going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Uh, Cedia cancels tech summits that were planned for March and April, including Woodland Hills, California, Irvine, California, Dallas, Texas, uh, Dallas, or sorry, Houston, Texas, as well as the Vancouver uh, show in British Columbia, Canada. Giles, I, I'm going to start with you on this. Obviously, some of this came out of the potential for exposure at the, I believe, the Fort Lauderdale location, which sent you and the rest of the CDA staff, as well as some manufacturers and, and integrators from the South Florida area, home to self-isolate for a couple of weeks. Uh, but obviously, with everything that's gone on since this article came out, these would have been bad events to, to, to show and have happened, and in some cases wouldn't even be legal to occur. So, Giles, starting with you on this, um, knowing that, you know, obviously when this was announced, we didn't know what we know today. How hard was it to come to this decision to postpone these events, uh, knowing what what you knew at the time, and how uh, can can you speak at all to when these things might get back on the calendar? Well, I mean, it wasn't um, a particularly hard decision, I have to say. You know, we, we, our first concern is obviously the attendees at the event, the manufacturers and the integrators that go to the event. You're right in saying we had a couple of uh, attendees at our Florida events that did test positive. Um, so you're right, we, did go, we, we went into a period of self-isolation and we uh, sent communications out to everyone who attended those events. So really... Um, when looking at California, California at that time uh, was, had already declared a state of emergency. Obviously, things have changed since then. There are much sort of more sort of wide-sweeping uh, restrictions on these types of events. So really, we felt that um, it would be impossible for us to proceed with these events. We saw other industry events also being, being canceled. So um, we're actively looking now to reschedule those events for later in the year. Obviously, we're hoping that the situation will resolve itself um as soon as possible um but yeah i think we've seen this across the in industry with with events uh, being rescheduled the only one that actually uh, kind of managed to escape that was the pro source event uh, mm -hmm. that i attended so um yeah which actually was extremely well attended i have to say 
and incredibly short lines at the airport. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> hey guy, you and your, your company have participated in these events. What does it do to the channel? Is there something or anything that seeing these events get canceled, uh, that it, that it limits exposure. I know talking to a lot of integrators the last year or so, they've started to really look forward to these local events because they get to meet the manufacturers they want to. They get to, you know, see their, their local peeps, if you will. Um, they, they get to do a lot of things in those local events and they're not always going to expo every year. Does this affect the industry beyond just not having a show? So, you know, from my point of view and granted my, my point of view is the CEO's point of view. It's not the, the CSO, you know, Bryce on our, our team runs the, the client services team and the sales team under, under that or within it. Uh, my point of view is that these things have very little effect on us. We look forward to seeing everybody at the events, but ultimately everybody understands these are very special circumstances and, we, I haven't seen anything like this in, in my lifetime. The only time I can equate anything like close to this to is uh, 91 Gulf War. I was 15 and, uh, you know, we had Scud missiles falling on us. We had to stay home. We couldn't leave. We didn't know if it's a biological weapon or a, or a standard uh, warhead with explosives. And there was nothing on the shelves in Israel. So to, to having said that statement, this is unprecedented. And so, sure, we'd love to see everybody. We'd rather everybody stay safe. And I think the, the upside for us, for all of us, <clears throat> is that guess what? Communications are, you know, even more heightened right now. Everybody understands the importance of, um, of well-functioning home on, on all of its levels and why, for example, health at home is important. Your home automation system is important important your network is important mm -hmm. and this is what we fall back to i think this entire event actually reinforces the need for our industry to not only be doing the high end but doing all the jobs any job we can put our hands on we should be involved in it's going to be easier to communicate that to the homeowner moving forward so so let's let's kind of pull that thread for a minute and the show's kind of going to go all over the place we're not going to likely cover as many stories right. as normal when you when you say that this morning I was on site, I had to send a text to my client at like seven thirty in the morning because they're on the other side of town and it takes time to organize things and get people there. Saying, "Hey, do you still want us in your house?" You mentioned communication. Obviously, that's going to be a big part going forward. What are integrators? What's the best practice here? Is there a best practice, or is it? going to be kind of a, a, a feel this thing out and, and see how, how this goes. Cause I selfishly, I've got a five month old. I don't want to personally go into anybody's house that may have this, let alone if they want me or any of my people in their house. What's your, what's your take on that? Hey guy. Yeah. I, I personally know a couple of people that have been infected <clears throat> it can happen to anyone, and obviously we we don't want to expose ourselves to anything when when we absolutely do, absolutely don't have to. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to use your your best best judgment here. 
it's it's not a simple thing to decipher. I would I would say as well there are going to be regional differences. You know, it's not, we're seeing that at the moment with how this, you know just in the United States, states have different approaches to it. So I think it would be very difficult to have one standard sort of um, best practice that, that suits the entire industry, because of course we're we're also a global association with members across the world, and we're seeing that countries' responses are very different. So um, I think obviously the, what we're seeing is conversations definitely starting to develop on our community around this. So um, there is definitely a willingness to share how integrators are dealing with this, with maybe having technicians that are, are, are maybe unable to visit sites and, uh, and have more, more time on their hands. But um, it's one of those things where I think we're all seeing how it's going to change um, day by day. Yeah, because I know I was on uh, our, our sister kind of more commercial show, AV Week on Friday, and we talked about the uptick in you know remote work and not just remote work for people on our teams and people in our offices and, and our companies, but our clients who are now sometimes thrust into a ton of remote workers. Obviously, this is a good uh, position to not sell, but to to make the case for why we want to monitor networks, why we want remote access for everything else. Giles, is is there enough of an opportunity here? Or is the industry to a point where we can offer some of our employees a significant enough amount of remote work? Or are we not there yet for the majority of integrators? I think there's a number of challenges. I'd like to say yes, but I think we still have a number of challenges in that we are fundamentally a, a, a hardware-based industry. You know, I think you can argue that the future for our industry is not necessarily hardware-based, and I know there's, there's been countless discussions on that, but I think ultimately um, our, our members, integrators, are in the business of installing products in people's homes. You know, I, I 100% um, all these homes should be monitored and there should be um, an ability to maintain them remotely for sure. But I think um, we're, we're definitely not at the point yet where we can go to a completely remote model for this industry, which is that all our manufacturers are still making products that needs to be installed, um, you know, in, in the home. So it's not, it's not something that we can, we can really get to just yet. Yeah, very good. It can install the rack remotely. <laughs> well, you could just, I don't, I don't know which drone is strong enough to carry it. <laughs> but if you, if you, if you got enough together in that hive mentality, maybe you could, you could drop it into place. All right. Let, let's somewhat sort of uh, switch topics, although this is in the same vein. This comes to us from Benefit News, how workplace culture can empower your employees. And you might ask, how does this tie into COVID and all the other craziness that's going on? But this is kind of the key. Um, one of my clients locally, uh, we work in both their home and their their company. They own uh, a local entertainment, bowling, arcades, that type of uh, situ uh, business. They've got a couple locations. They shut down as of Sunday night and they're continuing to pay their employees and, and do all those good things. We saw the major sports teams uh, obviously cancel all of their events and it took a couple of days and really some high profile athletes saying that they were going to, at the very least, donate money. Uh, I'm thinking of Kevin Love and, and Zion Williamson, 
and a couple of the baseball players said that they were going to donate money for all of those, you know, likely minimum wage employees that greet you at the gate, take your ticket, serve you popcorn and food at the event. When we start looking at corporate culture in our community, uh, we, we, we talked on the, the AV and the AM chat on Sunday about the number of people within our industry, both the residential and the commercial side, that are going to have a little less to do the next couple of days. Haggai, let me, let me start with you on this because you are, without trying to butter you up too much, you understand this. You and I have talked for years. I, I'm trying to think how long I've known you now. But for years about how you built a, a phenomenal culture there at Access Networks and your employees love working with you. They, I don't know very many people that say anything negative about you at all or your company. So when you start looking okay. at this type of, of situation, right? We've got people who may or may not be able to work. You can't necessarily, you can only clean, you know, the, the warehouse or, or the, the trailers too many times, right? You, you just can't have somebody doing that for two weeks straight. How do you build a culture where not only can you support your employees through these, these types of times, but you can also empower them and really make them feel part of the team on a normal day? Mm. That's a good question. So for me, uh, and this is something, by the way, we've talked about at Access long before COVID-19 became a thing. Mm -hmm. But people come first. Family comes first. Like your not work family, your personal family yeah. comes first. And work comes after that. Whatever it is that you have a priority in your life, work will come in a little later. And I'm okay with it. I, I prefer it this way. Because that, to me, is a healthy balance, both for, for my household and I believe for everyone else's household. And so even going into this, we already had the right angle right, to, to come into, into all of this. Uh, what we've done within Access is, first of all, we're having uh, ionic filters installed on all of our HVAC systems. So these are filters that are actively removing bacteria with whatever it's doing inside of it, it's killing all the bacteria and germs and viruses that travel through it, trying to, not just with COVID, but anything else that travels mm -hmm. through the HVAC system, kill that, uh, that so, so that we don't infect other people. We have, uh, and again, asking to, for people to use their best judgment, we open our doors for people to bring children to work if they had absolutely no other option. But again, the preference is that you stay at home. And so the people that can stay at home will isolate themselves and stay at home with their children. People who have to be at the office, which is really for us, the warehouse guys that are handling logistics and, and all the packages that come in and out, those guys don't have a choice. They have to, to be there. And, and we need them there for our business to continue and function. Mm -hmm. And so that unique group of, of people can bring their children to work. And we will have activities and try to, to set it up so that it's already, we already have an inviting environment, right? So um, the, that's, that's another way. Obviously, everybody's worried about what's going to happen. I'm trying not to worry too much. I see this as, you know, if you think about COVID-19 as a pebble dropped into a pond of water, there is the, the first set of waves, which is exactly what you described. If it's the storefronts, it's the restaurants, it's the sport venues, 
um, music uh, performances, all those things are canceled. The integrators, I believe, are more so on the outer edge of that ripple effect because mm-hmm. home technology for us, and I think also on the commercial side, people want their stuff to keep running and want to conduct business, even if it's remotely. There's a lot we can do remotely. Our workforce is largely remote at this point, which is kind of fascinating. And thankfully, access both on an infrastructure level and, a, and an angle level is is ready for this stuff to happen. And so, sorry, I got I should mute my uh, my phone. <laughs> and so, I feel I feel very prepared, right? Not that I planned on something like this happening. And everybody at Access knows that I will personally do whatever I have to do for the show to go on, right? Regardless yeah. of of what happens in the marketplace. I think a lot of businesses have a, a certain level of tolerance, be it a little or, or more so um, when it comes to disruptions like this. Um, and I think the, our ability to go back, back to work and all of our team members, I don't call them employees because maybe technically they're employees, but to me, they're team members. They're members of, of, of my team and we all work together. My team members go to work with a quiet mind and a quiet heart because they know that we have an executive team that's strong, that's on top of it, that's thinking about creative ways to to address the challenge. And as things unravel, while we are on the outer edges of of this thing that dropped on us, when these things become real and they are threatening to our business, there will be other measures that we can take to make sure that everybody is kept afloat. So that is my little internal plan and I think with integration, you, you're right to say, hey, should I go out to see said client? And that's not a question I can answer because we all need, need to use our best judgment. But I think there is a conversation to be had with clients if they're comfortable uh, for you to come out, if you're comfortable yourself to go out, then I think we should try and maintain that, that flow of business so that people feel like we have their backs, not just you know, check out, okay, COVID-19, I'm not working for the next three weeks. That's, that's what my, my daughter's preschool did without like not remote instruction, yeah. you know, like no options, no fallbacks. And I think that's damaging. But when you remain engaged and you continue to communicate and maybe do things um, remotely when you can and really show people that you're there for them in every which way you can, that builds relationships. You take these lemons, let's make some lemonade. Yeah, I think this is really that opportunity that HCPs have to really prove how much they care about their 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 clientele. And whether And their people. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. My people. Joe, speaking of that, speaking of, you know, your people and, and and the people that work in your company, how do you develop that because let, let's be fair, most HTPs, most integrators, they come out of that. I started this company from scratch. I did, you know, yada, yada, yada. You and I have both been there. We, we both have started uh, integration firms from nothing, uh, as has Hegai just on the manufacturing side. How do you develop a culture to where you're, dare I, uh, I'm going to use this for, for phrasing where your employees feel like team members. How do, you, how do you get them to buy into what you're doing? Because you can go read a book, you can do all those normal things, 
and create a quote unquote culture. But most people see through that because it maybe isn't genuine. How do you develop the genuine as Haggai smiles dramatically? How do you develop the, the genuine situation? Are you going to jump in first? <laughs> I, I have an answer for you, but I want to hear what Giles has to say. I have to well, I think force myself I, to be quiet. I, I completely, I mean, I completely agree with everything, you know, that Haggai said. I think um, companies are 100% judged uh, at a time of crisis. Um, and I think uh, it's, it's so important that you um, show, a, a, you know, a level of care to your employees. And, you know, clearly... This is a very unprecedented uh, situation. It's not like 2008 where we were, you know, there was an opportunity to look for different activity that may fill in because we were looking at a, a sort of more of a financial impact. We ha we're faced with a situation where, you know, employees of integrators may not actually even be able to leave their homes or leave their offices. So that, that is a different situation altogether. I think in terms of the care element, I think um, a, a focus on your employees' professional development at this time would be would be a good good aspect. In addition to you know the steps that Haggai spoke about in terms of addressing the personal aspect of a of an employee's life, so maybe focusing on education for an employee, how they can um, develop their career, so that kind of focus. But in terms of empowering them. Um, I, I find with my team, it's just important to share the vision of where we want to get to and just being very clear with, so it's very important as the leader of the team to really set the direction, the tone, um, and that really, and, and allowing your, your team to really have input in how you get there. So clearly, you know, that is, I think the, the role of the leader is really to set the direction, the course, and, and I think um, your employees feeling like they are very much part of reaching that destination is the most important thing. So, you know, it's not just saying this is how we're going to do it. It's this way that everyone who comes to the table has, has ideas that are actually of value and are considered. You give everyone consideration. You don't just ignore people's opinions. I think that's the way you do it. That's my feeling. I'm interested to hear how guys thought. So, uh, uh, not too long ago, Back in December, we had a meeting in Easton, uh, which was a, a, our annual all hands on deck kind of meeting. That That's the second year we've done that, where everybody from all over the country and the world came together as one team. And I had the opportunity at that event to deliver a presentation about my vision, not just for, for the company as, as far as direction, uh, and where we want to go, if it's commercial work, if it's, you know, the different things we wanted to prioritize, like network security or what have you. But where I started is actually had nothing to do with all this stuff. I started with the team. And what I've realized over the years is that while Milton Friedman in 1973 or 1976 had a an article in the New York Times that every business school now refers to, which uh, spoke to the purpose of the business. And Milton Friedman thought that the sole purpose of the business was to deliver profit to shareholders. And everything else came in second. And that's what I was taught at business school. And I, through my experience, questioned that assertion. Because if all we did was make one person rich or a group of shareholders rich, 
then we have missed the goal. And we've, we've missed the, the whole idea of making everyone's lives better, which almost is a mediocre expectation of a business to deliver profits. That's almost easy. So what? And so my uh, perception is that the sole purpose of the business is to allow you, the team member, to live your best life. And so this is pre-COVID-19, right? This is before we, had, <laughs> this is when it was still just a little bubble in China. And living your best life could be a million things. It could be anything, right? Because Matt Scott's idea of, of living his best life is very different than Giles or mine, right? And so what I decided to um, begin as an official program is what I call the village program. Why is it called the village program? Because they say it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it takes a village for you to live your best life. And your village, in our case, is Access Networks. And so, and, and this is the case in, in every business, and I think especially in our industry, where things are a little more personal and people care more, and there are so many nice, embracing people in our industry. Um, and, and look at our, our people on this call. Um, that um, it means it means even more. And so what does that mean? To me, the village program can't be really defined in writing because it could be anything that stresses you out, that is a challenge for you in your personal life. You can bring it to us, to me, to the executive team. We're gonna have a discussion and see how we can help you. And we've received several um, requests for various things that you would never see usually a business get involved in. But we get involved in those things if it's childcare, if it's immigration status, if it's, you know, you name it. If you, you want to buy an electric vehicle and do some good to the world, which I have, of course, uh, a little bit of uh, affinity to that, uh, there's also bit. support there. Right, a little bit. There's a little bit. And, and, and I, you know, the, the law is tough because it asks you to give everybody the same thing, right, because we want equality. But at the same time, how can you do that when everybody needs something a little different? And so I think what, what we've done as a team is lay the groundwork to almost kind of be hit by something like this and then stand by our values and fulfill our commitment to the team by saying, hey, you know what? You go define to us what you need. You have kids and you need to work from home. That's one thing. If you don't have kids and you're comfortable coming to work, that's a whole other thing. But on all of those levels, we will do everything that we can to make people comfortable, make everybody know that we have their back and that we're in this together. And the bottom line is all of us, even on this call, we're in this together. If you called me tomorrow, Matt, and you needed something, if I can do it for you, I absolutely would. And uh, regardless of, of business or, or anything, I think the entire industry, and that's where we shine, is in moments of, just like Giles said, when in moments of need, when things are uncertain, I want to be that constant in that huge equation of things in life for my people, for my family, for my, you know, my, my counterparts in the industry, you call me and I'll be there for you. Even if we've never done business before and it doesn't goes beyond business. And I think that sends a message that transcends periods of time of difficulty and prosperity. Is there a difference between in your mind, uh, is there a difference between quote unquote kind of social responsibility for, for your team members and trying to build a business? Are, are, are they, are they one and the same? Are they 
like do they does one outweigh the other is it is it a at this time this works and we'll reevaluate down the road culture it's strategy for breakfast all right it's true you know you don't have the culture forget about your strategy it's not going to materialize if you build it's not even culture it's personal relationship with people that you know and they know you and it's also beyond you know you don't wait for the crisis to start doing things for people that's too late yeah. i've been i've been practicing this and and i've learned a very bitter lesson i wasn't always like this and i've made a very big mistake uh once upon a time and i i denied one of our team members the ability to spend um christmas with her grandmother at home cooking and guess what the following year her grandmother passed away and i was the person that prevented that opportunity from her being at home with her grandmother and i, I will never forget this it's a scar for me and ever since that happened and i've been mourning that that time for forever i thought hey you know i got slapped on the face and i need to learn from this and the best thing i can do is is paid forward by changing the way i think about the world and people first you know it's it, you're not going to have a successful business if you don't put your people first and even if you think that you're successful the first time something bad happens like this you're going to show your cracks everywhere very good all right gentlemen let's leave it there because that was a really good point uh thank you so much for joining us i know this is a entertaining time but some of us have some extra time at home right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, it's not too soon for that joke, is it? I can make that joke. Yeah, I think it's good. We've been home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy, thank you so much for joining us as always. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Access Networks, where can they do that? Well, now it's accessnetworks.com. So we have a new domain. Go there. Or you can email email me, Hagai, at uh, accessnetworks.com. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Giles, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, uh, get connected, all that fun stuff, where can they do that? Uh, they can email me, gsutton at cedia.org, or find me on Twitter uh, at Cedia Giles. Excellent. Yeah, Thank and, you. And for me, Twitter, oh, Hagai.finer. <laughs> Go ahead. I should, I should also say we have a podcast that's gone live today that where we have a professor from Butler University talking about business disruptions in, in the current state of the world, talking about working remotely, spikes in absenteeism and supply chain issues. So definitely check that out. It's our CDA podcast. Yeah, definitely. All right, gentlemen, thank you again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We're extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.